Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. I want to say hello to all of you all who check out the series. Uh, I know we put out new interviews a lot, uh, new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you for subscribing to those of you who do uh, and leaving comments. I always appreciate hearing from you. Uh, Really just appreciate you listening. And and I'll say, if you're not a subscriber, uh, maybe you'll be inspired by the end of this to do so. Of course, you can grab us at any of the usual spots like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, at at YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. You can find us. It's subscribe. Uh, we'll take it from there. We'll deliver them all your way. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Gavin Rosdell. I'm once again going to be talking to the Bush frontman about new music. We uh, caught up last year when he released a song called Bullet Holes that was tied to the movie John Wick 3. Uh, that song is on the new record, a record called The Kingdom that's going to be out uh, this summer. Uh, and we've also heard the first single, from, the first official single from the record called uh, Flowers on a Grave. So we're going to be getting into what this record is, uh, especially the sounds of it. It's a big heavy record, as Gavin will tell you, with big, heavy themes. Um, And it's interesting because a lot of this record, of course, was written last year, but a lot of those themes 
are very present in everyone's life right now in in quarantine life. Uh, he's talking about loneliness, about searching, about trying to find connection. Uh, that's all in this record. So we're definitely going to get in, into that. And we're going to talk about those singles with Flowers on a Grave and Bullet Holes and even how it all relates to the political climate. Uh, you know, Gavin's never been one to shy away from it. Uh, his political writings go all the way back to the 16 Stone record and songs like Bomb and plenty more beyond that. So you sort of get a, you know, the updated present version uh, of all of that. We're also going to talk about, you know, he does ballads on every record, at least one or two, uh, never with an acoustic guitar. I don't know why that never occurred to me. I've been a Bush fan since the beginning. But uh, but now listening back, I've got to ask him, uh, the ballads on the electric guitar, that's not always the obvious choice for artists. We'll also hear about his relationship with producer Tyler Bates, who he'd hooked up on on that John Wick 3 soundtrack. Uh, that relationship continues on this record. And Gavin's going to tell us about a, a live concert DVD that, that's coming out uh, as well. So let's jump into this discussing this brand new Bush record, The Kingdom. It's Kyle Meredith with Gavin Rosdell. Hey, buddy. So the last time we talked uh, was last year, and you had just released the uh, the Bullet Holes uh, single and everything that was tied to John Wick 3. And now you've got the new Bush record that's going to be coming out this summer called The Kingdom. I, I will have to, uh, to ask at the beginning here, when we talked last time, you had a completely different title that you were talking about naming this. And, and back then it was The Mind Please Tricks on You. Uh, what exactly changed and, uh, and, and what spurred this uh, different direction? Well, the mind always plays tricks on you, right? So that doesn't end. It's just another title. And it's, yeah, I took that from a song and record called Undone, and I have that lyric in there. So that lyric is alive and well. And all that happened is I delivered that record, and the last thing was the label wanted me to write two more songs, actually more in line with, with uh, bullet holes. You know, and I was just like, at first, my ego was really, like, dented and annoyed. And I was like, wow, I thought this was a perfect record. So I took the opportunity, you know, calling their bluff and, you know, uh, accepting what they said and just wrote a couple of songs, Flowers on the Grave and this song called The Kingdom. And this, when that word came to me, and it was this, um, I suddenly thought about what, what really been affecting me the most. And I thought about this whole sort of judgmental, self-right society we live in. And the kingdom was this like utopic place that I thought about where like-minded people who were free of hate, free of racism, free of, free of all the kind of constraints that the terrible people put on us. And uh, that's what the kingdom is. And then what's even more weird is that then we go into this bizarre lockdown and uh, our lives are all turned upside down globally. And we all get to realize how fragile we are. And we get to realize all these things that, that we took for granted, you know, this, that liberty we took for granted. And so the kingdom has become to, to an even more um, expansive concept, which is this, this idea, this land of like uh, the best part of ourselves, you know. And, you know, aren't we all tired of all the kind of cynical, backstabbing, self-righteous, judgment that is, is hoisted upon everyone every single day and uh, it impedes people from being their true selves it impedes people from from expressing themselves as they should and i'm i'm all about self-expression and freedom and and those libertarian ideas so that's what the kingdom is so it just fits better i mean i still think that the mind plays tricks on you so it doesn't change my concept but it just encapsulated it better right. and uh, that was it so i just just went for it and it's, well, at the time when i said it was called Mind plays tricks on you. My manager at the time was like, "Don't give a title away." And I was like, "This makes really good. You know, you can't say things enough." But I didn't, did I? I was sort of like red herring you. You know, that was it. That's uh, you know, it's it's fine. Do you have a sense? You know, if the things you're talking about, uh, the and and you've talked about this online quite a bit too, as 
you know, we can look at all of this as a moment to reset, you know, to pull back to, to mm-hmm. you know, analyze, you know, our, our lives in that way. Do, do you have a sense at least, um, or, or maybe I should say a, a hope, and, and it sounds like you do, that when this all does play out and however it's going to play out, hopefully in the most positive way, obviously, that, I mean, what's what's keeping everybody from just going straight back to what they used to do? You know, is that an easy thing to fall back into? Or do you, do you have a sense that we'll all be changed in a way that, you know, maybe there will be a difference? I think there'll be some change. You know, m- most people will in, in, in probably, in all honesty, uh, revert back to type and revert back to the same sort of uh, patterns. But I think that for the people that do change and the people that do suddenly Look at, I mean, some now look at like things like uh, war or terrorism um, as they're always intrinsically evil and wrong and mad. And you wonder whether people feel more like that now. You know, you suddenly realize how futile it was. You know, you don't need fighter jets, you need dress braces. You know, you don't need all the money in that. That's what you need. Right. You need to take care of the people that are on the front lines every day. A lot of all these terrible suffering from covid you know people are still having heart attacks people still have cancer people still need surgery people still need uh, medical procedures and uh you know it's just, if you look at it on a microcosm it's like when you if you go to go to the hospital for some terrible reason with someone you love and they need to be sewn back up and you know taken care of and you through the shock of it suddenly you're like wandering around going doctors and nurses are the greatest people ever but then in your everyday life when you're like you know dealing with your you know problems with your spouse or your lover or your job or your co-workers you're probably not thinking you don't elevate regular people that make society run uh, in the way that the, the people do now so i hope that there's a, a greater appreciation of of the, the, that frontline uh, world that somehow can get lost in the melee unless you're unlucky enough to have to deal with them it's interesting because you know as i mentioned last time we were talking last year it was behind bullet holes and and to an extent, you were talking about this. I mean, you you know, a lot of that song sort of put the um, the mirror uh, on, on our daily lives, especially here in America, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as in that first verse and the way it goes, which mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that, you know, songs can change and, and can develop their meanings and recontextualize, yeah. you know, through history and everything. Yeah. Does that continue on this record uh, thematically, I guess, is what I'm asking? Yes, I think so. And that's why it was so good to call it the kingdom, because it went from being a, a personal statement of how fucked up everyone's minds are and how difficult it is to know your own heart to let's go for something better. Let's aim for something better. Let's 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 build a let's build a bridge to just a like minded tribe. That's all it is. It's not like I'm not talking about some sort of a built city somewhere. It's just like a state of mind. And, uh, you know, everyone should be trying to get better all the time. and Everyone should be trying to get smarter. That's the whole point of experience. That's what experience does. That's what time does. It gives you a chance to just reflect on how wrong you've been uh, or how right you've been. And, and you, you kind of pursue what was right. And, you know, you try and keep away from what was wrong if you can, you know. A lot of us can't, you know. So we're so such fallible uh, beings, you know, human beings. It's fallible, you know, sort of strength and weakness and uh, fear and courage, you know, in all equal measure. And they all kind of ricochet around our lives. And, you know, we're the product of people that we've have shaped us, you know, and our own thoughts as well. It's an incredible time to appreciate the uh, tapestry, the rich tapestry, that's the sort of the framework of life and how we all need each other, not just, you know, within a country, I mean, globally and uh, with a global economy, 
I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but it is worrying how people are going to survive. And, you know, okay, you, can, you shut a shop so no one goes there. But then the people that live there and the family that who's, depends on that, that, that business, what, what are they supposed to do? And he just realized that we just took so much for granted. I mean, that's got to be the takeaway that, mm-hmm. that really we just like laid back and someone else thought of the problems to solve. And then we just made our own problems. I got to make some problems today because, right. Yeah. So it's just a, a very deep time for that. You know? Well, it's it's also interesting, especially talking about how a song arrives at you know the most opportune moment or unfortunate timing. But but looking at flowers on a grave, speaking about what you're talking about, I've heard you use the word loneliness a lot. You know, and 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 how we're sort of separated in, in, in that sort of way. But man, you know, if that's the key inside flowers on a grave, that, especially that word right there, loneliness. Here we are, <laughs> you know, when everyone is kind of cut off. What was that feeling from yourself? Where, where did that come from for you? Uh, my own loneliness. You know, I'm lonely, but uh, um, I have a, three amazing boys, and so they uh, they really take up a lot of my time. But, I mean, I think that society is geared towards loneliness because everyone's striving for so much, and, you know, things aren't enough. And if you're with one person, you might want to be with someone else, and if you know, nothing's satisfying, nothing's right, my career's good, but I'm not doing that good, and I want more money, and I'm, why am I not being paid, and I'm, no one appreciates me. These are common themes that people just feel the whole time and uh, don't, you know, take stock of what they have. You know, everyone's it's just, we're just, you know, like automatons, you know, get up every day, just try and push further, push through, do better, make more, and uh, it. This has allowed us time to actually, I mean, certain people, my, not my case, but other people's case, like we get to know the person they're with. Oh, this person I'm with, and they're home all the time. And okay, this is what they are. They, they bug me. They don't bug me. I bug them. I don't bug them. You know, I'm interested in them. I'm not interested in them. But it was always, and you just, I don't know, you get into the heart of the matter. But I always, I like, for me, it's interesting because I always write about this human politics, and that's what I've only ever written about my whole life. And so often, that's why I can sing all those songs on different days and have different meanings because they're all affairs of the of the heart, of the mind, and and a, a world of feelings. You know, because in a world of feelings, no right, no wrong, it's just a world of feelings. And uh, I think they're fascinating, and people are endlessly fascinating with the choices they make, the mistakes that we all make. You know, it's just such an interesting. It's like life is like a one big go kart ride. It's a way to put that. Well, it's it's interesting how you summarize that. You know. And throughout, and I'll take a you know, you are quicksand because you know, as I've also read, I mean, this is also kind of another version of that, uh, whether it's loneliness or whether it's just a quest into finding that you know, connection within another person. I don't know if you could speak further on that too, because that's that's sort of the, the theme I that I understand from it. Yeah, those themes go throughout everything because it's what I care about because I think it's really intriguing. And the most intriguing thing is getting to know yourself. That to me is, the, you know, if you get to know yourself, you're the most of use to anybody else. And, you know, a, a sort of a, a mottled, a misunderstood version of yourself to present someone else is really almost dangerous. It's, it's almost uh, passive aggressive, you know. I'm this person. I'm actually not. I'm actually crazy. I stand on my right foot all the whole time. No, no, I didn't I tell you I like only you I run on my left and you get to know everyone and get to know yourself. This is this is a time for this self reflection. You know, you see people oh, there's no time to be bored. You know, there's so much to do and so much to think about that I can't imagine being bored. I, I was listening to you know, the songs that had been released, I was listening to some of the back catalog. And and I apologize if this is something that's been talked about in the past, but it dawned on me, as, as I've loved your music since, you know, I first heard it right there in the mid-90s, 
But your ballads are always beautiful. They're very, you know, people love them and everything. But it never occurred to me exactly that you do all of your ballads on electric guitar. It's not like you turn around and here's the ballad, now here's the acoustic. You know, some of your greatest slow songs, they're all still plugged in uh, to a certain degree. Is that always been a conscious choice for you? Yeah, I'm not a wooden music guy. <laughs> not a wooden. I don't, you know, I've done a little bit of wooden music on these shows, you know, but it was like, yeah, I just like the, the expanse and the sound of electric guitar, and I like the, uh, I like what it does against a really um, plaintive concept, and, you know, pretty melody, and then you have a weirder guitar with it, or arpeggio guitar, you know, something different. I don't necessarily, but then again, I love Neil Young, you know, I love Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. and those guys are, the, you know, James Taylor is unbelievable, and uh, that that beautiful picking style, that's a, you know, it's a whole world that I haven't really gotten into, but I love it, you know, so, yeah, I just, I, I, I well, this one was a really fun one, because I, there were no ballads on it, my manager was like, you have to do a ballad on one, you know, I was like, all right, so I recorded this song, which, which was undone, and I wrote it on a Sunday, and I recorded it on a Monday, and I never done that, and I did try and sing it again to be diligent and to show, you know, good, good, good spirit and like be like, accept that I could do it better and I couldn't do it better. So it's a really um, special song for me in that it's so fragile and it's like, it's honesty, it's, it's the emotion of it just came out, recorded the next day. And in fact, effectively when you record the songs, you sort of put them to bed, you know, you, you kind of bookend them. And it didn't go through any period of metamorphosis of any kind or change. It's just, it's just this song that exists. And that's the one with the lyric in it where it says, oh, the mind plays tricks on you. And I liked it so much, that lyric, I said it twice in the song. Well, you know, the way you've done that, I mean, it's, it's led to these cinematic moments. Um, even some of those slower songs, you know, whether it's, where it's cables or, or 40 miles, and we talked about both those last um, time and everything. But it sort of gives it these very pretty moments that are even allowed to be a little weird. And I think that's always been, I love your rockers. I, I really love it when you get a little weird, too, or at least allow yourself that and whatever it is. And, and it goes back to Greedy Fly. That, that was a big radio hit, and it was a little weird, you know. And, and I, I don't know if you get many of those moments on this record, but I guess I... I secretly hope for a little bit of that. Yeah, no, no, this this record is really deep and like it's like almost like a record done on baritone guitars. It's very detuned and very uh, the music's just fat and wide and dark like the ocean, you know, yeah, mysterious. Some of the cinematic qualities uh, you had been working with uh, with Tyler Bates, of course, on John Wick Three. Did did that relationship bleed over into this record? Is he part of this one as well? Because I know there's also another yes. name in there. Yes, yes, there is. Yeah, me, me, uh, I, yes, Tyler, we did like four songs together. Mm-hmm. And then he gave me a riff, so we did five. Like, I don't think you've heard that song, <laughs> but he did, we did a riff together. And I just love working with him. You know, we're on the same page musically, and he's a really, really talented uh, guy to work with and we you know we did some songs where he's did, did played the, the music and i sang on it some songs where we cut you know where we both played guitars together and so we got the whole range of it and i was just really into working with him i didn't have a studio at the time i gave up my studio because i thought the record was done <laughs> i keep thinking the record's done and it's not done but now it's done apparently um <laughs> and i just you know he became a really good friend of mine because we're just really connected exactly the same age we live in the same area he's got an amazing studio i don't he's a really he's done five billion dollars worth of business and making movies i haven't but um <laughs> but after that after the massive success in his studio we're really similar 
That's, uh, I, I love what I've heard from that relationship so far. Seriously, um, it's really we did we did a Blood River, this one song Blood River, and I and I knew that because um, I was doing my lyrics first, and I had this song that I wrote about all these words that I wrote about uh, this place in, in the Highlands in, in Scotland, this this uh, um, river that is I guess stained from the rock, so it's bright red, and uh, they have this amazing. Um, uh, there's this apparently like a cave there and they have these steps and there's a thing called the devil's pulpit they call it so there's actually actually a place called devil's pulpit now pulpit is a really hard song word to sing so i couldn't get the word in there but i built this lyric the uh, devil stage of course being in showbiz myself i called it the stage pulpit became the stage and i wrote this song about that uh, about blood river and i when i began working with tyler i was like i you know i've got the i got a set of lyrics for you because i want to be bernie Taupin and elton john you see uh, right so, right when I, I let him be there. I was like, I'll just come in like Bernie, you know, and I just got the, the lyric. And that is just like such a devastating song. It's so heavy. Um, and it's really, um, it, he loved it. I just, it was a funny fit where I just was like, I know what you're going to like. So we, and what I liked about him is that he has this way of working where he faces forward. This is in his studio control room. And I get the sense after work with Manson, he had to do doing a lot of um, coaxing and talking and chatting. And then he kind of gets the music where I'm the opposite. I'm like silent. I know he's got no time. I want to go in there and just get stuff done. So he just presses play and then I just sing. And I know if he doesn't turn around and let, except at the end of the take to be like, yeah, I love how that's going. <laughs> That um, that I know is going good, you know. I just don't. I'm like my ego's like, don't turn around. It's really good. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. And so with that, I was like, he is not turning around on this one because I'm going to just deliver this song. And uh, that was a always a gauge of our relationship whether whether he turned around to me during the process, you know, because people want direction and an easy life. And so if you're collaborating with someone, nothing better, you know. He plays a guitar part. I go, yeah. If I sing something, he goes, yeah. You know, you don't want to be like, yeah, but could you just like, have you ever thought about it like this? Right. You know. That. Yeah, you know, it's just nice when someone just knocks out the park and you go, that is fucking great. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, you just do something with it, you know? And so he really inspired me. And I think that because I'm so fast in the studio that I inspired him, you know? And he knew that when I come around and work with him, it's a two-hour window. We're going to have a song, you know? And it's not like, you know, hitting your head against the wall. It's just like, I'm like, no, no, I'm in it to win it. And I haven't got much time left, like, you know? I can see the horizon. <laughs> well, you're making big music together. I, I, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, um, I, I'll also quickly mention here, too, that I noticed that uh, you've got a, uh, a concert coming out on DVD. looks like a Live in Tampa that's going to be out in April. Is that still the case? Is that still happening? Yeah, I think so. I just did actually did an interview for it. Um, so, yes, I, you know, I don't know anything about release dates and what's happening. I'm just, I go, oh, yeah, we did that show in Tampa. <laughs> I just remember they sort of like, they switched to a, a bit of a dodgy interview after two songs. I was like, get rid of that. No one wants to hear me talking now. It's just like keep on the keep on the music. So I really hope that they listen to me. They probably don't. But I was like, what what is that bit? Like me sort of staged and talking and bullshitting and I was like, get rid of that. You know, why is that in this? That's a different track. You can do that as a different track. It's a it's a special feature if you need it. It's a spoken word. It's a spoken <laughs> word. Well, you know, I do have a so I do have the stand up in me somehow because I managed to talk on um, Instagram Live where I just really just mm -hmm. riff and talk and just like <laughs> Just nonstop talking, which is weird because normally conversations are two-way streets. That's a, it's it's an odd thing to get used to that uh, I've had to as well. That's a, it's it's bizarre. It's definitely bizarre in a uh, in an audienceless world that we're in right now. Seemingly a live audience, obviously. 
that's um the new way of connection right there bizarre mm. yeah yeah it's, a, it's an exciting time we just hope that people are suffering you know obviously today we're talking and today is a terrible day in america where the death rate the next four days is going to be the highest of all you know they, they you know the whole thing apparently is peaking the next few days you know that's fucking terrible and all those people suffering and you know it's it's so weird because you kind of get guilty you know i get into talking to you and i'm seduced in the conversation i'm talking about this i'm yeah what am i in live i want to vote that song and i'm like wow there's people like you know on respirators who are right. like you know right at the end of their journey and it's just it's horrific and this this hidden enemy and then you have the madness that's going on if you switch between um i take breaks during the day i can't watch the news a lot but if you go in like i just go okay let's get a beer and watch it it's like it's like ping pong it's like slow ping pong oh, right. it's like watching this it's so weird the same day different perspective or the same conundrum from seeing from different side it's remarkable and you realize what propaganda we live under and it's almost like i obviously you know being an artist i think i'm probably more uh, uh cnn but even that's getting a little t- bit too um, emotive and too uh, centered on the failures of the president. I don't know, it just feels like just the other night, last night I was watching it, and I was just like, Wait, is this getting too much now? This this sounds like a very big record. Yeah, it's, it is a big record. And I think that it's it's, a, it's actually a brilliant time to bring things out. I mean, obviously, they're looking at the best way to promote it so people hear about it. But it's a great time to bring out records. Because it's like, it's, it's, I'm, in, I'm in Kentucky, I'm in Louisville. Well, you're from Slintville. Slint, yes, I am from Slintville. <laughs> For a second, I was like, what? No. Oh, Slint. Yes, I am from Slintville. I know half of that uh, crew. They're, they're, you know, they're monsters. Uh, the the impact that they've had. Yes. I played with that drummer for a while. He came and played with me on my side project. Oh, really? Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Which project was that? Institute. It began with Institute. Oh, right. And then I, it didn't it didn't ultimately work out. I've sort of always wondered about it. He, Brett, he was a great, what a great drummer. I love that band so much. Yeah. So whenever I was in Louisville, I was always like, this is royalty. <laughs> Do people know what's happening in this third place? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I will let Great you go, man. Great note to end on. All right, buddy. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you around. Okay. Take care. All right. Take, take care, care, man. Bye. Bye. My thanks, Gavin Rosdell. Again, the new Bush record is called The Kingdom, and it will be out this summer. Of course, since we're here, and since I've already referenced uh, uh, the previous interview with Gavin from uh, from 2019, uh, I'm going to go ahead and reinclude that interview here for you for your hardcore fans or some of you that just want to continue uh, hearing about what this record's all about. So again, this is where Gavin and I we catch up about teaming up with Keanu Reeves. And the John Wick 3 soundtrack, especially how that lead single, Bullet Holes, traces back to 16 Stone's The Bomb and Testosterone. And speaking of 16 Stone, uh, this is when we also talk about the 25th anniversary that happened of that record. It's when Bush opened up for David Bowie while Gavin was on stage every night singing about uh, the Thin White Duke and the song Everything's In. We'll also dive into the 20th anniversary of the Science of Things album and lots more. It's part two of Kyle Meredith with Gavin Rosdell. Hey, good morning. How are you? Dude, uh, I love this new song, Bullet Holes. Congratulations on this one. It's such a powerful song. Nice. So I know this is part of the John Wick uh, soundtrack, and there's a few tracks. Of course, this isn't the first time you and and Keanu have been uh, associated with each other, having been in Constantine together. Have you kept up a friendship this whole time, or is this something kind of rekindled? 
Um, something rekindle. I haven't seen him. It's one of those situations of, you know, having worked together and spent a lot of time. It's just great to see him. And what's weird is that Chad, the director, he directed the uh, stunts for us in Constantine. So he, the three of us have worked together before. So that's why it was a nice synchronicity, a nice kind of um, return. Uh, I'm really interested to see that, you know, the chemistry of the, the three of you all associated with each other again. I, I know it's not really screen time for you this time, but... Uh... <laughs> My main job, my day job. Right, right. And and Tyler Bates is the other half of this equation. So it's it's you all. Did you write the songs together, or is he just producing? Um, we wrote four songs together, and I went with him to him originally just to write for movies, and then we kind of got along so well that we just kind of morphed into just doing the Bush record. And so we wrote four songs, and I wrote I wrote fourteen on my own. So it's really nice balance. Now, is it is it four songs that actually make the soundtrack, or is it just bullet holes? Well, four songs, including bullet holes, and they yeah, four songs for the album. You know, this track, and I said it was a powerful song. It seems to be one of those that takes you know two different meanings. I mean, there there, there maybe is um, an action movie you know slant to it that works, but. But you're also tackling big issues again in this, right? I mean, uh, you throw in the, the lines, you know, race wars, planet wars, star wars. I mean, it's, it is it is something more than just... Mind wars. Yeah, something more than just a fight them. Yeah, it wasn't written for the movie. It just had nice synchronicity, but it worked together. So, you know, it is a big song. On the highway, walking across America, sweat stained my blue suede shoes. You know, it's an in, intriguing time to be in America and experiencing the political climate and the, um, you know, every day something insane going on, you know, women's rights, women's uh, bodies, uh, race wars, uh, killings, uh, political unrest. It's just, it's just, it's a ripe, it's a ripe time. I suppose there's always a ripe time, but it just feels so ambivalent and just, you know, it's just really hard to find your footing, you know? So when you're writing a song like this, I mean, how difficult is it to find the balance of, uh, of, of tackling subjects like that, but also, you know, trying to write a good rock song? I, I think it's to do with not being, not being, like, trying to be didactic, you know, not trying to say anything, not trying to come with any solutions, not come with any anything like that. You know, it's much more a sense of, uh, of raising the, the, the conversation and, and raising uh, concerns about things. And um, that becomes therefore a commentary on things. I mean, I don't think it's right to have political edges and with you know with solutions in there. Then it just becomes like diatribe and, and sort of manifestos and things like that, which I think is too dogmatic. And I think that it's just a case of being finding a way to be mindful and sort of sensitive and open to things, and then clearly being on the in, on the side of, of logic and and kindness for um, minorities, races, uh, predicaments, people, you know, as opposed to sort of whitewash things to just fit your own agenda and be selfish and sort of myopic and things like that. So that's one of the benefits of being in a band. That's that's how it can be done, I I believe. I certainly don't come with them. you know, with, with answers, because there are so many different answers, but um, this is a weird time, don't you think? Yeah, it's absolutely. But it's also not the first time that, that you have tackled, you know, subjects uh, like this. And, and I, I do want to tie in, because I know, you know, two of your older records are, are celebrating big anniversaries this year with 16 Stone and the Science of Things. But, you know, even going back to 16 Stone, like, I, I went and revisited Testosterone, which, you know, in the age where we're also talking uh, about 
a lot of the things that you've just mentioned, but also, you know, toxic masculinity. I mean, that, that goes right back to what you were thinking about in 94, or so it seems. And the same with Bomb as well. Bomb is the story about the IRA. You know, growing up in, uh, in where I grew up in North London, you have the um, Orange Day Parade, the Protestants, and you have the IRA, and you have the pubs you'd go to. IRA pubs, Protestant pubs. So I grew up with all of that. We grew up literally in the 70s as kids with, with uh, bombings with, and so in London. So that was a completely politicized, politicized song written in the Spain. Somebody goes out shopping and then never comes home. So it's like, again, not kind of coming, coming in with um, criticisms of either side, just a sort of a, more of a like, wow, look at the human toll. So yeah, this, of course, this, this is all the way through. This is War, the last song of the last record, was completely inspired by um, Charlottesville and that sort of that whole t- racial tension there, resulting in in, in the death of, uh, of uh, one of the bystanders. So yeah, across the across the board, I think that um, I've always tried to have a little piece of that, but again, being really careful to not have that be the guiding light just within that you know within a conversation within a dinner within a night you know you're going to bring that up and then you're going to talk about bullshit and then you're going to talk about other things and then you're going to talk about personal things so it's just as a whole just part of a sort of um, I don't know being awake you, you don't really think of, of Bush as um, a, a political band, maybe in the way you would think of, of, of what Tom Morello does or something like that. But but it is there. I mean, and obviously, you know, there are other sides to it, as, as you've also said. But uh, but so that's exactly what I'm saying. And I really like it. I think that if you have it where the trouble is, um, if you if you're totally only that one way, you kind of also change it. I mean, I do have I think politics of the heart and politics of the mind. Uh, 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 far more interesting and far more long-lasting and uh, long, longer-reaching than uh, than writing songs about political climates. Just because they're so hard to just just not be not become across like an asshole. <laughs> basically, <laughs> you know, so you don't want to be an ass. You sort of like want to be like I'm not so dumb that I don't think about these things, but it's not what I think about all the time. And also, do want a degree of escape in music. And I think that if you if we had done it where we had been over politicized, like a Manic Street Preachers, for instance, you know, they never had a song about love in them. But then Motorcycle Emptiness was their prettiest song because it had the kind of the kind of mournful lilt and, um, you know, even though it's sort of about existentialism, this is sort of has a nice feel to it. So I, I just think I, I'm greedy, you know what I mean? I want it all. I know a lot of concentration is going on 16 Stones because it's 25 years, but I did want to bring up The Science of Things, which is a record that meant so much to me and was so different sounding when it came out in 99 because it sounded like the future, you know, when when I first heard that. I mean, that was the sound of the future, and I know you had just come off the remix album. Was that part of the how that record came to sound the way it did? Well, I mean, it just was, I, you know, it was weird because having done Razorblade with uh, Steve Albini, I felt there was something about, like, I, I betrayed... I wasn't giving anything of, of, of England, of our whole history growing up and the kind of, you know, the dance world or the, the, the kind of programming world. And, you know, I came up through dance hall and, you know, sound systems. They were the backdrop for so much of my youth, you know, and, and it was like cool as being really kind of heavy rock and doing a super heavy record and this and that. And I was like, I just fancy doing, I don't know, just giving a little bit more 
more to, to London in there for whatever. It just felt like the right time. Maybe we'd been so long on the road, and I was like, you know, this America band's great. Like, hang on, you know, like we're English. So I wanted to do this hybrid where half the record was like not programmed, but then some of it, a lot of it was, and so that's what, what, what uh, it was. Even the ballads, I mean, end up having the programming. And I mean, 40 Miles from the Sun, it's so hypnotizing and letting the cable sleep, but there's a lot of stuff kind of happening, you know, in the background when you put the headphones on. It's it's mesmerizing, those two yeah. songs. Yeah, thank you. I love those, you know. Just, I, yeah, I was listening to that the other day. But yeah, I think it's a, I'm really proud of that record. And, um, you know, it's just, I, it's weird because we keep doing these, these like this, this, this tour with a live, which I'm happy to do with, with the other with the other two guys. I mean, your set's so much shorter. It's like a bit of a, like a small festival. It plays 70 minutes and I sort of always wish we could go, we could play less of the, um, you know, the traditional songs so we can go off piece a bit more, but it's just so hard because some, I don't want people, you know, that thing where you go and see someone they're just like super obscure tracks the whole time. It's just annoying. So it's basically a little longer set. I was also that that was also the last record with Nigel. Was the writing on the wall at that point? I mean, did you know that that was going to be the end of that part of uh, uh, the end of that chapter? Yeah, I, I I think that he felt really increasingly guilty of being away so much and and missed his first uh, child growing up, first few years, and and um, you know just went that that I don't know, probably more traditional, more cliched way. It just takes so much. It really destroys your life to tour for this amount of time for this this kind of veracity and it really does destroy your life and I think he just was, was intrigued in not having a destroyed life you can do it so it doesn't destroy your life by the way and people do do that but I think it certainly took a toll on my life and um, I can look at my bass player Corey and be like his life you know it's um, he's got such an amazing wife and they have such an amazing chemistry and, and relationship that it just works for them and then for other people it's just harder uh, and that's all that happened with Nigel and uh, that was it I think that I think he's actually pretty the strokes that did him in he saw the strokes and when they first came out was like this perfect band perfect 21 years old and the rest of us were just like a waste of space and um and yeah that's really it had a profound effect on them when they first uh, uh when the strokes first came out uh i remember that distinctly and whilst i understood what he meant you know for me it's much more intriguing to be a working musician than to be a rock star, you know, like I don't, don't I think that, that uh, being a working musician sort of gives you, um, like you're, you're granted, uh, immunity, you know, you can, I can keep traveling. Yeah, you're fine. You know, if you're desperately trying to be a rock star and trying to compete and trying to be, I don't know, as popular as, 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 the, as, as, as like Drake or something, you know, <laughs> or like Jay-Z, you know, you're, you're in trouble, you know, but if you're like trying to just, just play the music that you love to the people that love you, that's okay. You can keep doing it. I'm in the latter, obviously, you know. I'm in the delusional latter. <laughs> I, I do want to ask uh, at least one question about 16 Stone while we have the second. But uh, I, I didn't know until reading up of recently, you know, kind of looking back at that record, uh, a few of the artists, uh, or a few, um, I don't know, I'll say artists, uh, the importance that they had on you with uh, with Bukowski and Ginsberg, and obviously Bowie, who you quotes in one of the songs, but uh, and you had toured with him at that point. What was that yeah. like? Because if you're using him in the lyrics and, and around him, there's got to be some some level of hero worship to get over at that point. <laughs> Is it? Oh, well, it was embarrassing. I mean, it was embarrassing because it wasn't, it was like... Uh, Dave's on sale again, so it's like his sort of slutty side. You know, he had a slutty side, which he'd be first to admit. Well, the thing about it is, is that yeah, he's one of those rare exalted. I mean, he can meet everyone. I mean, you know, 
there's you know obviously in this world you you meet a lot of people who you know have a sort of a profile and they're famous and stuff like that but he's kind of special really he's sort of in his own world but I mean, once you start having conversation, it's, I don't know, sort of over with. I mean, it's just really, I couldn't help. It was always exciting to get an email from him because it is David Bowie. But I don't know, it's just sort of nice to just get past that a little bit. But never lose the respect of you know, how amazing someone is. And I have lots of people who I think are amazing um, who aren't like necessarily world famous or world renowned, or sometimes they are. But you just know when you're in the presence of greatness, whether it's uh, uh, they're famous or not, you know? <laughs> I never met Bowie, so I don't exactly know, but yeah. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he was an exalted, uh, he was in slightly, um, you know, rarefied space, of course. But what's amazing was that that, in turn, made him more, um, because he has nothing to hide, he's no airs and graces, just fucking, just amazing. Just interesting and amazing and funny, really funny. So basically laughing a lot and, like, taking the piss out of everything. Or, or having really in-depth, deep conversations about things that this can go anywhere because he's so well-read and erudite, you know what I mean? Just, like, can go anywhere. I know that leads to the, the new record and everything, too, and that's coming out later this year. I mean, we've been told it's going to be a heavy record, at least heavier than uh, maybe lately. But, uh, you know, aside from the ideas and bullet holes, I mean, what's got your mind right now? Well, first off, it's really heavy musically, and bullet holes is just in the in in the vein. It's not that's not, a, not not an outlier. They all sound like best friends with bullet holes. So apart from this one ballad that my manager said you should need to write one ballad, it's like okay. <laughs> so I wrote a ballad on a Sunday, <laughs> recorded on a Monday, and I love ballads and I love writing them, and I have such sort of a. A manic depressive side that um, they're, they're, they're probably the easiest songs for me to write. I don't have to work hard to speed things up and not be like, oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> oh no, what will we do? <laughs> Here's a song called Oh No, What We're Gonna Do. What will we do now? So I wrote, of course, Undone. And that was, it was really nice to write and just let it out and just be like, okay, try this. And then I've never written a song on, on a Sunday and recorded on a Monday. That was like my most compact, really. I love being compact and concise. And there's too many words, too many songs, too many people. So like, be fast at what you do. Do it efficiently. The economy no of words. The economy of everything. It's beautiful. Uh, I certainly do love the words that you put out there. You've been such an interesting wordsmith to kind of, kind of, uh, either just enjoy or dissect for the fun of it, you know. And I've always appreciated that side of you. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to see how this Great. one rolls Thank out you. as round. I, I appreciate that. Well, that's why this is, you're the album title, right? The mind plays tricks on you. Did that come from somewhere specifically for you this time? Then um, that came came from the uh, song that popped out. It's from the song called Undone, and uh, it was just lying there. And I I liked it so much, and the song I repeated it. I was that impressed with it. I repeated it, and I was like, that could be a good album title because <laughs> I've been I've done sort of shorter ones, longer ones, you know. And it's, that's definitely the longest title I've ever had. I know probably big shortened to the mind, but the mind plays tricks on you. Just it just sums us all up, doesn't it? Just like we just like these positive and negative ions bouncing into each other, trying to be understood, trying to be liked, trying to make our way forward. And usually the biggest enemy is is, is right inside us, like telling us that we what what why we shouldn't be doing what we're doing or what's wrong with what we've got, you know. And uh, I just think that it's just one of those phrases that it feels really good to uh, say it out loud because it gives you hope that you can combat it. Because you, you go, I could, 
like, I got this. Shut up. I got this. Stop it. We're fine. Stop it. You know, and uh, I think that, that it's so weird when you look at everyone's, um, not what they say, but you look at everyone's subtext that has that in there. Everybody's subtext has that so deeply in there that you start to forgive a lot of people a lot of things. Most people, most things. When you think of it, that it's usually from a defensive position and really unusually from a, an aggressive position. That it just, it just, you go, hmm, it's a slight revelation. I just felt like a relief to say it, you know, like, these shoes are too tight. <laughs> you, know, you just say it and you go, they fucking are. They're just too tight. They look great. They're just too tight. They're too tight. <laughs> you take the shoes. Uh, I mean, it sounds like there's a bit of optimism in everything you just said. And, uh, it, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah, there is. There is. There is. There's, there's, always, there's always hope. You know, remember, it's only death. <laughs> Maybe that's the greatest way to sum this entire thing up right there. I love that. Thank you. There you go. Gavin, I, I so appreciate the, the time you've taken today. I, I really can't wait to hear the, the rest of the record. Uh, congrats on that. And, uh, and take care, man. We'll see you out on the road. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. bye. And again, Gavin Rosdale, that uh, 2019 interview uh, right there around the John Wick 3 soundtrack and the anniversaries for 16 Stone and the Science of Things. And the new Bush record, again, is called The Kingdom due out this summer. Pre-orders uh, going on right now. Thanks to Gavin. Thanks to you for listening all the way to the end here. Always appreciate that. Uh, again, if you're not a subscriber, I really do hope, uh, especially since you made it to the end here, that you hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with the series. Uh, you can you know keep up with all of your uh, favorite artists. You can discover new artists. You just know what's happening in the music world. It's a great way to do that as well. Find us at any of the places that you like to get podcasts from. That does include iTunes and Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, even YouTube. If you're over there as well, just type in Kyle Meredith with and hit that subscribe button. And after that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of uh, song premieres, of music news, of anniversary spins, and bonus interviews as well. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me on uh, most of the uh, social media platforms, at Kyle Meredith. Hope you follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Stars was amazing. And when I took them on tour, we were, I became really good friends with Matt, the singer. And uh, when I first met him, I was like, you did the impossible. You got silence on radio. Because remember that song, uh-huh. like, bit in Stars, where there's like at least five seconds off. I was like, how did you do that? You're like, you, you know, you're, you're the advertising executive's nightmare. You know, <laughs> you can't have silence on the radio. <laughs> It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.